Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and thank you again for joining me today. It's um, always a pleasure when you are listening. And so today I have a very special guest that I'm really excited about. I know her through a mutual author and friend, Kristen Clark. I know you may, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you may remember Kristen and the work that she does. So this is Lynn Cherry, and she is um, an author, a new author, actually, and has sent me her book, which I really have enjoyed. And she's really, she's an author and a speaker and really dedicated to inspiring hope and and shining a light on the path to freedom, whatever that freedom needs to be. And so, interestingly enough, she also has a biology degree, which I just find very fascinating because when I talk to scientific people that have kind of crossed over and are able to, with their analytical mind and with their scientific mind, really make concepts clear, it's very, it's very encouraging and it's really kind of a neat, a different way to look at things. So I'm really glad for her book. It is called Keep Walking, 40 Days to Hope and Freedom After Betrayal. And she has so many accolades from, from different people that have loved her book. And so I'm very honored, Lynn, to have you today. So please say hello to the guests. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Just uh, really thrilled to be here and look forward to telling you a little bit about my story and Hopefully there'll be something you can take away and apply to your life. So tell us a little bit about just you and and how you, you know, got here, how you became an author is very always very interesting for people. Well, I wrote the book that no one wishes they were qualified to write. You know, that's uh, a good way a to book say about it. betrayal. <laughs> yes, that's a great way to uh, say it. I I certainly have always enjoyed writing. But and thought, you know, it'd be so fun to write a book someday. And then, you know, this journey <laughs> life took me on of pain and struggle. And really, this the book was came out of the struggle. Uh, it, it is the thoughts and scriptures and ideas that helped me just to put one foot in front of the other and get out of bed in the morning and keep moving while I was walking through uh, sexual betrayal. So can you tell us a little bit about the story? Is you know not not certainly not betraying your husband at the same time, but tell us a little bit about the story and what happened. Yes, and I just want to make sure your listeners know this is something my husband and I both talk about. Okay, he's definitely aware. And, yes, yes. Uh, sent me such a sweet text before this call. To <laughs> let me know he's going to be praying for me, and we both we both knew at the beginning early on in the journey that God was asking us to share our story. So I, you know, I got married right out of college, just very naive, very idealistic. And I re- honestly, I remember early on in my marriage thinking, wow, it's not like the movies. 
I just, I thought it was going to be like the movies. And, right, and feeling, exactly. You know, those expectations kind of uh, crushed a little bit. And, and I had a feeling early on in my marriage that something wasn't quite right. But at the same time, I just, I just couldn't go there. I um, I chose denial. I chose pretending. I jo- chose to just stuff that impression further down inside of me. Yes, that and gut that gut that screams to us that we want to just ignore. Exactly. You know, it was it was my gut. I think it was the Holy Spirit, and uh, and yet God allowed me the gift of denial, and <sighs> that is what I chose for just longer than I should have. Um, And it wasn't until we'd been married for about eight or nine years that I came face-to-face with the problem. Uh, I just brought our second son home from the hospital and noticed the light was on in our home office, and I just thought, you know, this is awesome. I'm not the only grown-up awake in the middle of the night, and I walked right in, but immediately sensed... uh, that something's not quite right, and uh, felt like a tangible presence in that room, just sent the enticement of lust, followed very quickly by the suffocating oppression of shame. And I saw pornography on the computer screen. So, you know, at that moment, that was in 2000, this thing that wasn't quite right is right in front of my eyes. Wow. And yet, you know, I I did. That's that's where you get that, oh, that feeling in your chest. Just, yeah, you know, when I look back on that night, I can see it really was, it, it was the beginning of the death of me. <laughs> right, right. Um, I really know something something in me died in that moment. And, you know, not just because of what I saw, but because I closed the door and again went back to my familiar coping of pretending. Did he, did he see you when you walked in? No, I think he sensed something, but we did not acknowledge each other in that moment. Right. And so, you know, and we both continued on in denial and for another four years, really pretending that, that there wasn't a problem, that everything was fine. But at, you know, at the same time, just being completely destroyed on the inside and eaten up by this issue that's in my home. Wow. I think, you know, I think so many women can relate to this as well as men. It's that that issue of shame and guilt and the idea for you that, oh, my gosh, who is my husband and can I trust him? And and the shutdown that happens inside and you start to just kind of go through the motions and and the self-doubt that can come about who you are and what's wrong with you and am I not enough? And mm-hmm. and these things that intellectually we know are not right. And, and you know, when we love, you know, the person in our life, we love our husbands and, and he makes a mistake and there's an issue that we think there's a chink in the armor. Mm. And it's tough to really look at that, you know, because that some of that denial lets us be in love with them and think, oh, they're a knight in shining armor. And when we get let down in that way, it's hard to come back from that and to also open your heart again. Oh, yeah, that's a long, a long journey. And I hear that from a lot of women, that the disappointment of, you know, not only did my husband betray 
the trust or break the covenant of our marriage or, you know, whether it was an affair or an emotional attachment or something like a sexual addiction like pornography. Um, you know, not only did he betray the, our relationship, but then he kept it a secret. And, you know, so it's like, who who is he? He's not who I thought he was. And now the, the longer I talk to women and, and through the writing process and speaking and telling my story, I can really see that my husband never set out to deceive me, to hide this thing, to, to come into our marriage and bring a sexual addiction and, and hide it from me. That wasn't like an intentional process for him. He walked down the path that shame led him on. Well, explain and, that a little bit, because I think that's important for women to know. Yeah, I... I, this is as hurtful to themselves and their heart, and and that's a w- and they don't understand that many times that they are really harming themselves. Right, right. You know, I, I my husband was seven years old when he first encountered pornography, and you know, part of the healing process for me was finding empathy for him in the journey, and being able to see him not as the grown man who had right. brought pornography right. into our marriage, but as the seven-year-old child who ran across a stack of magazines in the woods behind his home and was curious. Right. And it was easier for me to feel empathy for that child and to, to understand my husband's story that, you know, in a way, as a seven-year-old, he was a victim and uh, he was it pulled and enticed and entangled in this thing that was so much bigger than him as a seven-year-old. And that's when shame also comes in because they come across something that they know maybe there's something not right, but they don't have the safety to tell someone. Right. And it sets them up to do the same thing as an adult. It does, and it just it reinforces that pattern of, hiding things under the surface of our awareness and really compartmentalizing. You know, my husband, looking back, will say how he always believed we had a great marriage. Right. So, yes, he had this issue, but the pornography box wasn't anywhere near the marriage box or how he felt felt about you. It had nothing to do with how he felt about you. That's what's so hard for women to understand. Oh, it, it, it's so hard to understand when your heart is crushed and you feel the weight of this betrayal that to, to through it all, like my husband really did love me. Exactly. He really did love me. He just had this rut in his brain and this coping me- mechanism and this fantasy world that he had been going to since childhood and breaking that pattern of behavior in his brain and, and, you know, putting safeguards in place and understanding triggers. That was a a long process. I think that's one of the most difficult things for us as women to understand is that this particular addiction or proclivity feels much more personal than if he were an alcoholic, you know, if he smoked cigarettes Mm -hmm. or if he had a spending addiction. Mm-hmm. The pornography hits our hearts at a very different place than a substance addiction. And that's why it's very compounded when it comes to trying to heal from this. Well, 
we're right to the end of our, getting close to the end of our, our first segment. So listeners, please join us in the next segment with Lynn Cherry as she talks about this walking through this issue of betrayal. And she's written this beautiful book called 40 Days to Hope and Freedom from Betrayal. And I love the amount of chapters. She just did one 40 days every day is a chapter to read about all the different aspects that she had to go through to really heal from this. So join us in the next segment. Make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We always have the most current shows on, on the radio. So if you can't listen to the show in its entirety, you can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Make sure you check out all the social media, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., INC for Incorporated. Join us in the next segment with Lynn Cherry. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I'm always so thankful when you are joining me. And I I think you're going to really get a lot out of this show, whether you're a man or a woman. This is one of those very prolific issues that we have in our culture that is extremely painful and shameful, and that's the issue of pornography and how it affects our lives, our relationships especially. And, and Lynn Cherry is my guest today. She has written a book called Keep Walking, 40 Days to Hope and Freedom After Betrayal. And this is a beautiful book. It has 40 really many chapters that you read every day. Her and her husband also speak about this journey that they both went on, and they speak very candidly about how they healed from it. And so, Lynn, thank you for being today on the show. We're very happy to have you. And I want you to tell the listeners, um, before I introduce one of these chapters, where they can find you and get this book. Absolutely. Well, I'm, you can find me at lynnmariecherry.com. And the book is available on Amazon in both paperback and for Kindle. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free. Oh, that's wonderful. So in the, all these different chapters, I had a couple that I really, that really stuck out for me. And the first one was this no more pretending. And you touched on that a little bit in the first segment. So talk about this chapter. You know, I, I grew up in a very uh, stoic German family. You know, we really, we didn't have problems. Right. We certainly didn't talk about them. Right, exactly, because <laughs> they're going to go away. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so I came by that, honestly, this uh, tendency to pretend. And, you know, that is just what I chose over and over and over again throughout our marriage. When there'd be little things that would come up and I'd be like, hmm, no, that doesn't seem right. Or I think there's an issue there. I just choose pretending and no, it's going to be fine. It's probably not that big of a deal, especially with uh, sexuality. Knowing, you know, well, men are just different. Right, um, right. And so so maybe this is just what different looks like. Uh, and not wanting to really dig in and explore that uncomfortable feeling that there could be an issue in my marriage. And I'll never forget one day being in a counseling session. We were so fortunate to have a therapist here in the Austin area that specialized in uh, 
a fair recovery and sexual addiction. And so we, the very first place that we went to for help, we got excellent help. And we were sitting in one of our sessions, and it was our turn to share the results of our homework for the week. And I was in, you know, in the center of the circle, sharing with everybody, all the other couples. And uh, but I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even like get words out of my throat. And finally, I just yelled at our therapist in that session, "Why is this so hard for me?" Wow. And. You know, all that emotion and all that angst and anger and sadness and fear just came, you know, spewing out. And he literally popped a mint in his mouth and leaned back in his chair and said, well, it's hard for an ostrich to pull her head out of the sand. Wow. That is so powerful. I, 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 was, I didn't really appreciate <laughs> oh it in goodness. the moment. <laughs> exactly. But I just think, yes, he was so right. It, it just to face the reality yes, of my life yes. was so difficult because I had been pretending for so many years. And now here, you know, I have to go to therapy every week. And it honestly feels like torture, my weekly appointment with torture. And like we're scraping this wound that is already so raw and tender and uh, it was brutal for me. Now, interesting enough for my husband, when we began going to counseling, he was almost immediately relieved. And exactly. he wow. began to find hope um, just to know that he wasn't the only man struggling with this issue and that that there was a way for him to live apart from this addiction. And that there were tools that he could grab a hold of and apply to his life that would equip him for the battle. And you, so he almost immediately found relief. See, that is so powerful because we many times really don't understand how lonely men are and that they battle all by themselves. Mm. And so we're so afraid of uncovering them that many times when that happens, they're so relieved to get yes. some help. Yes. It's, it's very powerful, and, and many times we discredit or we, we, we don't give men the, the credit they deserve or, or we, we don't understand that they actually want help. We think that they're enjoying themselves and that they want to revel in it and that they, they, you know, we're going to have this big battle trying to pull them out of it. And, you know, there, there are a percentage of men that that is the case. But many, most men, they know. They know it's a trap. Right. And they don't feel good about it at all. And they can't get out of the trap and they can't stay out of it. And so when we're willing to make a safe place for them and to do it with kindness, sternness, you know, but kindness and compassion and that we really are their best friend and we really are going to stick with them. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful and very healing for them. Yeah, you know, I I remember reading a book. and Well, I remember in one of our counseling sessions, really our therapist giving us permission. I'm with other women who have been through betrayal to just to ask God, what, what are you asking me to do? What is the decision that I need to make about this relationship? And I really had not asked God that because I just assumed, now I'm a Christian, so I'm just kind of stuck here. Um, right, but right. I, with no choices. With no choices, and what a hopeless place. What a hopeless place to be, to feel stuck. 
And so I just took that chance and, you know, began to pray, like, God, what are you wanting me to do in in my marriage? What are you asking of me in, in this recovery and in this journey? And I was reading the book, Captivating by Stacey Eldridge. Oh, I love that book. It just <laughs> it made me cry. It was so poignant and so spot on. Yes. She, they just did a beautiful job putting that together. So I'm reading very early on in the book, and they were talking about the helpmeet and how in the Hebrew it's Azer Kenedgo, but that word Azer is used only 20 other times in the Old Testament. And in every other instance, it refers to God when wow. He is there to come through for you in a desperate situation. And so I read that, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart, like, Lynn, will you be me in the flesh, and will you come through for my son? Will you walk with him on this journey? And, you know, part of me is like, God has some nerve asking me to do that, to to walk through this painful recovery, but in the other hand, it brought me so much hope to believe that there was a way through, that God wasn't asking me to stay stuck in a miserable marriage and just relinquish my life to mistreatment and betrayal. He was asking me to walk through to freedom. And uh, so I'm so glad. I think that's that's a very powerful just a very powerful insight to understand that when God asks us to do something, he really has already made the way and that we have to be careful that we don't fall into legalism and think that God asked us to do something that he really didn't ask us to do. Now, this is Cynthia Hyatt from, with Conversations with Cynthia. Join us in the next segment we, when we talk about this very powerful topic of betrayal and recovery from betrayal. You can listen to it on the website in its entirety at CynthiaHyatt.com. And join me in the next segment with Lynn Cherry on her book, Keep Walking, 40 Days to Hope, Freedom After Betrayal. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And I want to make sure that you can reach me and also hear the shows in its entirety. And that would be at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can, um, I do a lot of keynote speaking and I can tailor make any topic for your group. And today I have with me Lynn Cherry. She is author of a book, Keep Walking, 40 Days to Hope and Freedom After Betrayal. And Lynn, tell us again how we can get a hold of you. Yes, you can find me online at lynnmariecherry.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at just um, at lynnmariecherry. So I'm pretty easy to find out there. And then my book is available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Awesome. Well, if you're just tuning in, we left off in the last segment where she was talking about this beautiful word, Azar. Say, say, say it again, Azar. 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 Okay. And, and it really talks about God coming alongside and, being, and helping us. And I think, Lynn, you were saying that in the, it's only one time when it refers to, and it's referring to Eve, and then it's 20 more times in the Bible when it refers to God. Right. Yes, as a helper. And so, you know, the initial word is, say what he called Eve. No, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Right. I'm going to make a help meet. Right. You know, Which in is, the old language. Yes. Uh, and what's it, what was it again that it was the help? Azer Kenedgo in the Hebrew. That's amazing. 
And so I think, you know, for us as women and, and men, there there really are women that also become addicted to pornography, and you may have to walk with it through them. But women, I, I really want you to understand that when God called Lynn to walk beside her husband, he had already made a way for her to do that and to be that helper for her. And and that does not mean that every woman is supposed to do that. And I have my own personal um, journey that I walked with. I, I was married uh, when I was younger and to a man that had no willingness, no desire. He really ha- didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And he was furious that I would ask him mm-hmm. not th- to walk away from that. And when we met with a counselor, the counselor said to him, you know, you have to stop looking at pornography and, and stop drinking. And my husband at the time didn't say anything. And he said, well, you know, why don't you think about that and we'll talk about it in the next session. And I said to him, you have to think about this. And so you really want to understand that when God asks us to walk next to a man, it's because that man wants to heal. God knows that man's heart and he needs a helper to do it. But that is not every case. And that's why it's imperative that you really ask God. I really had to ask God. It was very difficult for me in my life as a Christian, as a therapist. I was an ordained minister to think that I would walk away from this man. And so it's important that we are walking with God first so that we can hear the heartbeat of God for the people that he's created as to what is best for us. Yeah, that's really good. And so, Lynn, it's just beautiful that, that God gave you the, this word about being a helpmate. I mean, that I love this. I'm going to go home and study this because <laughs> this is I love learning new things. And that is so powerful to think that God really has made us a helper. And we talked about how lonely men are. They battle these things all by themselves. Mm-hmm. And when it was exposed and you in this chapter, you know, stop pretending Right. He was he was elated. He was he was he thought, "Wow, somebody's going to help me with this burden." Well, you know, it overall. was difficult. Right. <laughs> I'm saying overall. I'm not yes. saying he enjoyed being exposed. Yes. I think there was uh, there was part of him that was relieved yes. that I was still there and that yes. he wouldn't have to walk alone. And he wasn't going to be abandoned because of, of mm-hmm. this this uh and that was a very real fear that he faced. You know, if I tell, if I uncover this story, I could lose everything. Exactly. And I think that's a fear that a lot of people face when they're dealing with a secret. Well, and it's hard for us as women to not want to protect our husbands. It's true. And sometimes I, we have to know the right way to protect them. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that denial piece, that sometimes we're protecting them, and it's actually some denial, because we maybe don't want to face some of those things. I know that was my story for sure. I, I, uh, I, I see the path that shame led my husband down because I walked it right behind him. Right, right. I think that's really powerful. And I, I, I think this, this chapter about denial and when the therapist said to you, no, it's hard for a woman to pull, an ostrich to pull her head out of the sand. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have one minute. So I want to make sure that, Listeners, that you, you join me in this next segment because I think this is so helpful for so many of us. And, and we, pornography is so prolific in our society. And for Christian men and women, but for Christian men, it's especially hard to face this and to face it well and, and to really stay out of it. And that, that we're going to talk more in this show about how Lynn and her husband have stayed out of that. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment and make sure that if you can't listen to the show in its entirety, that you uh, go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also go to the podcast at Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find me on social media and join us in the next segment. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and always thankful and so glad you're joining me today. If you're just tuning in, we have with us today Lynn Cherry. Um, she's author and of, of, a, of this wonderful book called Keep Walking, 40 Days to Hope and Freedom After Betrayal. And you can certainly um, listen to the show in its entirety if you're just tuning in on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can also find me on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. So, Lynn, thank you again for being here. And this is our last segment about this issue of, of betrayal. And you're, when you found out your husband was struggling with pornography and how you walked this out, and so... There's so many wonderful chapters, and this is every day is a little mini chapter of what to meditate on and what to work through. And and one of the ones that really struck me was this issue of um, being vulnerable and and this idea that, you know, you are vulnerable. And so talk a little bit about that. All right. Well, I recognized, you know, we, we began to go through counseling. And so finally, all of this stuff that had been buried inside of me is, is being unearthed. And um, I did a lot of crying. And it really is trauma. Uh, betrayal trauma is a, it's a real thing and uh, so, so hard to walk through. And I remember one day just just being sad and crying in the shower because, you know, it was one of the few places I got to be alone right. as a mother of two right. two children. Um, just crying and, and then thinking, you know, maybe there's a man out there who would, I would be enough for him. And he wouldn't need me and pornography. Isn't that, and it's always would, interesting to think that. Right? That that's how, really, that we always think it's, you know, got to be about us or something. We did. You know, I, I remember feeling like, surely, if, if I was just sexier or curvier or more adventurous, adventurous if I right. was something right. more, then my husband wouldn't have this problem. Right. And so then, you know, as we began to look at it, I remember feeling like, okay, what if there could be another man out there? Um, I am just so grateful for a book that came across my path in that moment. I had picked up When Godly People Do Ungodly Things by Beth Moore. Yes. And I was going to read that book, and I was going to figure out why my husband, who loved the Lord, like how could he have this issue hidden in his life? And I'm going to figure him out by reading this book. Well, I read that book, and what it did is made me see how vulnerable I was, and that if some guy came along and said the right things, I could have fallen just right. as easily. Right. And so I think it's important for any woman who is walking through a difficult time in her marriage to realize her vulnerability, to shore up her boundaries, to... Um, right, it's that even, idea that, wow, that gives that opens this other door for 
maybe I should, you know, I want to be loved. I want to be appreciated. I want to be loved for who I am. And if some man were to come in and act, you know, like a knight in shining armor, like act like Mm -hmm. a, a really godly man, then, wow, that would be my dream come true. And then I would feel good again. Yeah, or it even can go a little bit darker than that. I right. think for some women, there's this thought, well, you hurt me, so... Well, and that I, is kind of know. the the, um, the permission to say, well, then all bets are off. Right. So if you broke yeah. that rule, then why am I keeping all the rules? Mm-hmm. That, that is <laughs> <that's> a broken, <laughs> flesh-filled thought process that can happen in our minds, and especially when, when our heart is crushed and when we're hurting and... Um, when it, we don't always think the most rationally in those moments. Well, it's this and, feeling that why do I have to be the good person? Why do I yeah. have to try so hard to be moral? Why am I working so I thought we were doing this program together. Mm-hmm. I thought you were keeping your side of the street clean, and I'm working on my side. And I find out maybe for, I don't know how long he was doing this, but that mm-hmm. this has been what you've been doing, and this whole time you've been maybe pre- feeling like we think maybe you're pretending to be somebody you're not. Right. And that's, yeah. a, that's a scary piece. It is. And, you know, I, I think it's good to, to know you're vulnerable and to also know that acting out and, you know, like, you did me wrong so I can do you wrong, like, that's just going to make recovery longer and harder. Well, and then you have and, to forgive yourself for things. Right. You're just, you're stacking sin on top of sin. So um, it's not hard to... To choose to live right when your spouse has made a decision to do something wrong. But ultimately, for you, for your own recovery and for your healing, if you can continue to make wise choices and right choices and godly choices in the recovery process, it's just going to make it a lot easier for you. It's kind of like don't add insult to the injury. Mm -hmm. You know, we injure ourselves when we give ourselves permission to act out. Yes. And so, you know, it's like don't add insult to the injury and don't injure, don't add injury to the insult you have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that's that issue. You have a chapter on revenge and, you know, anger is a big thing. And women, <laughs> we, we sometimes don't do anger well. Right. Well, anger wasn't an approved emotion <laughs> for me growing up. It was okay to be happy. Absolutely. Uh, it was really, uh, occasionally be okay to be sad for short periods of time but and you had to be polite you had to be polite too yes always yes and um, anger was never okay and so you know anger surprised me and I think when I look back at my story so in 2000 you know I walked in on my husband and I realized what's happening and for four years I pretended and coped with denial, and then something really strange happened, is I became a very angry woman. So in 2004, you know, I started swearing. I had never sworn in my life. Isn't that interesting? Yes. It's crazy. Just so much anger just began to bubble up and spew out, and um, I did not know what to do with that, and it really scared me. Right. So I I look back and I think, thank God for that anger. You know, anger is usually a secondary emotion, and it's what comes on the heels of these other emotions that we haven't taken the time to really process. But I'm so grateful for that anger because it did scare me. 
And that was really my wake-up call. Like, I need help. I don't like who I'm becoming. And I remember confronting my husband and just telling him, listen, I'm a mess. I'm a basket case, and I can't pretend anymore. You need help, and I need help, and I am going to go and get some help, and, and I'd love for you to come with me, but I have to go whether or not you join me. And uh, the anger really forced my hand, so I'm so grateful for it. Uh, you know, things weren't always pretty, and there were definitely some angry outbursts in my home, and I wrote about that in that chapter, just right. Uh, right. totally losing my cool. And, you know, I wish I could say I always responded right. But um, thankfully I caught myself, and, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit really helped me and brought me... Um, scripture to to stand on you know like romans twelve nineteen. don't insist on getting even that's not for you to do i'll do the judging I, you God. know that's one of the hardest things i think when we get hurt is that we either want to lash out at the other person or we lash out at ourselves mm-hmm. and so you know anger is that beautiful emotion i'm glad you said i'm thankful you know for anger it it, it scared me and, and woke me up because anger is that, that, that emotion that tells us a boundary has been crossed, right. that we've been violated. It's like the feeling that you feel when a driver moves into your lane, you know, <laughs> and, you're, and you swerve away. You know, anger helps you go, whoa, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's an, it's an important emotion because it gets us activated and it's an action-oriented emotion similar to fear. So you had anger and fear, which drove you to act Whereas sadness is that very debilitating. It's a, it takes energy from us. Yeah. And so we need to not be judging anger. We need to recognize anger is it's an indicator, like the da- on the dashboard of your car. And you need to identify and say, wow, this is, I'm out of character. I don't swear. Mm-hmm. What's going on right. with me? Right. Instead of judging yourself. It's an indicator of saying something is up with me because I'm acting outside of what I think is normal for me. Right. Yeah. I am so grateful. Well, that, I love the way you put that, that it's an anger is an activator. Yes, yes. And that's what it's, you know, we, we see God activate. Many times he got angry. We see Jesus activated when he got angry. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's an appropriate response for a hurt. What we want to think about is it's not appropriate to then swallow that anger, harbor the anger, and have it come out sideways. Yeah. And that's hard. And I think that kind of that anger kind of leads into, you know, you have this other this chapter that I think is this. I'm not crazy. And I, <laughs> I, I think that would be so helpful to talk some about that. Yeah. Well, you know, when you when you have an issue like this in your home and, you know, certainly for a lot of women, there's gaslighting involved where yes, yes. where uh, their spouse is sort of helping them feel like they're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Nothing's mm-hmm. going on here. Because they're mi- and minimizing so? it. And, and right. yes, yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I remember thinking, and, and just in my denial too, thinking, oh, this isn't a big deal. Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Um, I'm overreacting and, you know, making excuses for my gut. Well, and, and thinking that, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be this upset, 
you know, right. and, and talking ourselves out. Of, and that's where we have to really honor the feelings. It hurts. If it hurts, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to justify the hurt. Yeah, and I think, too, we fall prey to our culture, which would tell us, you know, all men look at pornography. Well, our culture is also, yes, and all of our, and our culture is also normalizing pornography. Right. That that should be a part of your sex life, actually. I know, and we even had, you know, really helpful people give us that advice at some point in the journey, which I just think that's the worst advice yes, ever. Yes, You know, whether you bring another person in the flesh or another person on a screen into your sex life, you're, you're, um, it's not going to help that's your right. intimacy. That's right. That, it, what it's going to do is complicate things tremendously because now we have added more shame. Right. And we've added more things to heal from, and we've we've sullied our marriage bed even more. And Absolutely. and it, you know, it's it's one of these things that many times are, is a, in some ways, if we are just left to our human thinking, that makes sense. It's like, well, if he wants to do it, why don't I join with him? And then he won't be doing it by himself, and it will be mm-hmm. something we are doing. And but actually, our brains don't know the difference between a person in the flesh and a person in our head. That's why right. our bodies respond. Right. And right. so it's hard for us to understand that it's the same thing with movies. I'm always telling people, you know, yeah, you know that it's just a movie, but your body doesn't. Mm, and so it's really it's really important for us to understand that God always makes rules for safety. He never makes rules to steal from us. That's really good. So we have only one minute left. Oh, my goodness. This has been so good <laughs> and so helpful. And so I'm really excited about your book. And, and, and you, you and your husband speak also? Yes, we do. Um, I, I do conferences and keynotes and retreats. And then we also speak together. So uh, we just know that God didn't redeem and restore our lives just so that we could enjoy it. Right, uh, we exactly. know we're meant to share our story to offer hope to other people who are hurting and that there is a way through. God always makes a way through. I love that. Well, tell us again, we have about 30 seconds, how people can um, either contact you and also how they can get the book. Yes. Oh, my goodness. We all oh, I hear the music. It's lynnmariecherry.com. <laughs> so make sure that you find the book also on Amazon.com. And thank you for joining us, Lynn, so much. And we are ending for today. Join us next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.